find it. Let's go ahead and stand and stretch our legs one more time. And we're going to read verse 1, verse number 2. We'll pray and let you be seated. As we continue some messages tonight in the next few days, uh, services as we prepare our hearts for revival coming up in a little over two weeks. Habakkuk chapter number 3, verse 1. The Bible says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shigemoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. Verse 2 is going to be our key text tonight. The Bible says, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for your word. Lord, I trust in it tonight, and I pray you'll do your will through it. Father, I pray we would do our part and receive it. Help us not to quench the spirit tonight through disobedience. Help us go ahead and set aside, Lord, whatever may be on our mind just for a few minutes, that, Lord, we might be able to receive it and then allow the Holy Spirit to show us how we need to respond. And then, Lord, I pray we would do our part, Lord, as we do seek revival. I pray not just be services we come to, but, Father, something we genuinely look forward to and expect and are willing to do what we need to do to receive. Bless, Lord, I pray your will be done tonight. Be with our folks, Lord, who may be watching at home. Bless each family, the needs of the heart, and, uh, Lord, needs of the health tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I heard this years ago and a statement that really hit me hard and brought conviction on my heart. And it was the statement of, you can learn a lot about yourself by what you pray for. Have you ever listened to yourself pray? Uh, there are times, I'll be honest with you, in the busyness of life and a, a hectic schedule, uh, sometimes I'll squeeze my prayer time in when I can squeeze it in and I know about how much time I have left throughout my morning, uh, midday, afternoon, even in evening time to pray and sometimes I will rush through it rather quickly and sometimes the Holy Spirit will be very open and honest with me about how quickly I ran through my prayers and squeezed in what I needed from him real quick and then went on about my business. But oftentimes, if you'll listen to yourself, if you're anything like me from time to time, uh, sometimes my prayers almost seem as if I am placing a request into a heavenly bellhop, if you will, uh, asking for the things I need so I can get on about my business and life. And uh, I was reminded of, of that the other day when we were in Florida uh, one of the things I enjoy when I am on vacation at Disney World is to be able to pick up the phone in my room and hit guest services. And when I call down to the front desk, they see who's calling. They know what room it is. And uh, they will say, well, good morning, Mr. Andrews. What can I do for you today? Kind of makes me feel important. I've tried to talk my wife into doing that when I wake up in the morning, but it's not something she's terribly excited about doing. But uh, I'll answer, I'll press one, and they'll say, what can we do for you today? And I'll say, well, listen, I was wondering, could I get a few more towels? You know, I used too many towels in my room today. Or I was wondering, could you get me a pizza sent up to my room? Obviously, I'm paying for it, and they're glad to charge me for it. But just to tell them what I want, and they take care of that. Sometimes I think we view God in the same way, as if when we pray, we are calling a help desk about something we need. There's nothing wrong with giving our needs to God, but oftentimes that's all our prayers consist of. 
is when we go to God and we tell him what we need from him. Now, I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm just saying if your prayer life with God revolves solely around going to him and telling him what you need from him, uh, I hate to tell you, your prayers aren't going to be very fruitful because prayer is an open line of communication with God and communication involves two parts. Uh, Me speaking to him and him speaking to me. And as we read this in chapter number three, notice the first two words of verse number one. This is a prayer. This is a prayer of Habakkuk. And what he is praying for is very clear. If you look at verse number two, what does he ask for? O Lord, he says, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Now, notice he's asking God for revival. Now, I don't know about you. Uh, I'm praying for revival in my heart. I'm praying for revival in our church. I'm praying for revival in our state. I'm praying for revival in our country. How wonderful would it be to see an act of God, a moving of God and his spirit uh, in our area, at least in our area, at least in our church, uh, one more time before the Lord comes back. And by the way, I believe 100% that God is still capable of that if we, his people, will fulfill our part when it comes to praying for revival. Now, I believe we need to pray for revival, and I hope you're praying for revival. Uh, I mean, I've been putting in extra prayer time, looking forward to that week of renewal that God would stir our hearts in a time where we need to be stirred again. Uh, Why? Because God needs to stir his people where his people can go out and stir up the world, bring lost men and women to Christ, and to revive our nation back to God one more time. But it's not going to happen if we don't get revival. But notice, if you will... He prays for revival in the middle of verse number two. And yet before we get to that prayer for revival, he says some things that I believe are very important. It's some personal responsibility that Habakkuk had in praying for revival. Now, I'll be honest with you tonight. I know God can send revival. I believe God can send revival. And I believe God wants to send revival, not just to our hearts, but to our church and to our country. But we have some personal responsibility in that. Right? God can do his part, but we've got to do our part. Now, there's a lot of things tonight we could go over, but simply in verse number two, Habakkuk shows us really three things tonight that I want to share with you that lays the groundwork for God doing his work, and it's three parts of his prayer. Now, tonight, these three things I'm going to show you, they're very, very simple, but I believe these three things need to be a part of what we are praying for. These three things need to be able to be uttered out of the mouth of every believer here tonight as we pray for revival. I don't believe we can expect God to work if we can't pray what Habakkuk prayed. And so tonight, we're going to look at a very simple thought of a revival prayer And there's three things in his prayer that we need to be able to say before we ask God for revival. So let's look at these things, if we could, in verse number two. Notice what he says, O Lord, I have heard thy speech. I have heard thy speech. Now, this is very important tonight because Habakkuk is acknowledging the message that God has conveyed to him. Now, before he asks God for revival, he's acknowledging, God, I've heard your word. Now, although tonight it's important for God's people to come before God and ask God for revival, we need to make sure there's not some unfinished business in our background that we need to take care of before we ask God to do something else. You say, what do you mean by that? Before we ask God to do something, we need to make sure that we've already been obedient to what God has already said. 
We're asking God, God, we need you to do something. Well, God says, I've already told you about some things that you need to acknowledge in your life. That's the first part of our prayer that we need to pray tonight. Number one, we need to be able to pray that we've received his word. We need to be able to pray that we've received his word. How on earth can we ask God to revive us in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known? How can we ask God to do that when there's some, some of the word of God that we've yet to receive? Now, folks, this is important tonight. We can't expect God to fix our mess if we neglect his message. We can't expect God to fix the mess if we've yet to receive his message. We say, what do you mean by that? Well, the truth of the matter is, the choice for mankind has always been this. Either receive the message or receive the mess. Now think about that tonight, if you will. America is a mess tonight. Do you know why? We're receiving a mess tonight in our society, in our homes. We're receiving this mess, this chaos we're living through. Do you know why? It's because we neglected to receive the message to acknowledge what thus saith the Lord. What does the Bible say? The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 11, verse 26 The Bible says, I set before you a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you obey the commandment of the Lord God, which I have commanded you, and a curse if you don't obey the commandment of the Lord, which he's given to us. Do you know what he's saying? You have two options, and we have two options tonight. Either we receive the message of the word of the Lord, or we receive the mess that comes with neglecting the word of the Lord, and we look at the mess we're living in, it's a direct result of the fact that God's people have yet to receive his word. Now, folks, it's not enough tonight just to be a hearer of the word, all right? I, I was a preacher's kid, grew up in a preacher's home, and I went to church a lot. I went to conferences. Uh, I went to, uh, to, to different revival meetings with my dad. I mean, I went to a lot of church. I heard a lot of preaching. I heard a lot of messages. But just because I heard it did not mean I received it. And in order for us to have God work on our behalf again in revival, which, by the way, is exactly what our country needs tonight, for us to expect revival, we've got to make sure we've received the word that God has already given to us. Why? Because God's messages have to be received. You remember years ago, our kids won't remember this. I'm young enough to remember it, but not that old, to where you had collect calls. Do they have collect calls anymore? I don't know if they still do that. You used to do it with a pay phone a lot. I don't know if they have pay phones anymore. You kids Google that when you get home. Really neat thing. They had phones out in the public. and these bo- That's what Superman would change into. That's what a pay phone was. And you would have these collect calls. I can remember mom and dad getting a few of them uh, growing up, and I can remember making a few of those uh, growing up when I was on a missions trip and I'd run out of money, didn't have a cell phone, I'd have to call home. And so I would send a collect call to mom and dad. And it would usually go like this. You would answer it. It says, you have a collect call from, and you would say your name, Jeremiah. And you would hear the party on the other side. They would say, do you accept this call? Do you accept the charges? Because whoever accepts the call has to pay for it, okay? It always broke my heart when my mom said no, you know? No, she never did. She never did. But you had to accept it. You got a call, and you knew who the call was from, and then you had the choice of whether or not you were going to accept that call. You remember that commercial years ago to where you could cheat the phone company by squeezing in a quick sentence to tell somebody something when they ask you your name? Remember the one about the baby that was born? It says, you have a collect call from Bob. We got a baby. It's a boy. 
Remember? You remember that one? You go back and Google that one. It was the way you cheated the phone company and you told your mom and dad that you had a baby and it was a boy. The wife looks at the husband and says, who was that from? She said, it's Bob. They had a baby. It's a boy. That's how you cheated the phone company when you didn't want to pay the charges. Now, folks, oftentimes that's what we do. We hear from God. We know what he says. We heard the message, but we refuse to receive it. Why? Because receiving God's message, much like a collect call, is going to cost you. Look, when you receive the word of God, it's going to change you. And we do not like the cost that comes along with receiving the message. But can I share with you some truth tonight? It's a lot more expensive not to receive the message. The book of Lamentations we just went through is a nation who got phone call and phone call and phone call from God. They refused to accept it. They knew who it was from. They knew what he wanted. And they refused to accept the call. Why? They didn't want the cost. And we see lamentations, this entire nation brought to its knees. Why? Because they refused to pay the cost of receiving the message. And now they're receiving the mess. Folks, as a pastor, oftentimes, a lot of the messes that, that the Lord allows us to have part and help clean up. And that's what we try to do in people's lives, in people's homes, in young people's lives. Do you know why the mess is there? Because they refuse to receive the message. The Bible says, O Lord, I have heard thy speech. What is he doing? He's acknowledging it. He's acknowledging it. I was reading Acts chapter 2. I've been reading a lot of Acts chapter 2, that early church and the blueprint for that church. Verse number 41. Matter of fact, turn there with me, if you will. That's in the New Testament, in case you didn't know. Acts chapter number 2, verse 41. I want to show you something, and it's a beautiful picture. Acts 2.41, we're reading about this early church, and I want you to listen to the spirit of these people and what God was doing in the midst of them. Let's pick up, if you will, with their salvation in verse number 41. Watch closely. Acts chapter 2. Then they that gladly received his word, they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Man, what a wonderful spirit. I mean, look at this church and how God is blessing. Where did it begin? Where did it begin? Verse 41, they that gladly received his word. It's amazing how things change when these people received the word of God, trusted him as their savior, and then God began to bless and God began to work. Can I tell you that pattern applies to you after you get saved? People wonder, oftentimes, why, am I, why is my not what I ought to be in my Christian walk? Why am I not getting along with so-and-so the way I ought to get along with so-and-so? You'd be amazed tonight how much things would fit together if God's people just started receiving his word. Why? Because when you receive the word of God, it changes you. It changes you. You know, I tried to make people get along at my first pastorate. I said, I'm going to make these people like each other. Really did. 
Uh, I had an older group of folks, and I had a younger group of folks, and, you know, they didn't always get along with each other, even though biblically I showed them how they need each other, part of a church, part of a body. Here's what I did one night. I took them all to play laser tag from 25 to 75. I threw them in a laser tag pin. I said, shoot it out. And somewhere here in Oak Grove, they used to have a laser tag place over here in Oak Grove. I took them out. And man, they were just, I was going to make these people like each other. Come on now. You know, the young folks, look, I need you to love them. They've got wisdom. They've got something to show you. The older folks, I need you to love the young folks. That's the future of our church. And I was just trying to make it happen. But can I tell you what change brought about in their lives to make every piece start coming together was when people just started receiving the word and the word changed them. And all of a sudden, they started fitting together as the body's supposed to be. Now, folks, tonight, if we want true revival and say, God, I, I'm asking you, revive us in the midst. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. We've got to get to the place where individually, don't sit back tonight and say, yeah, I know some people that needed that message this morning. Go look in the mirror and you'll see them. That's who needed it. That's who needed it. I'll go look in the mirror. I needed it this morning. Look, we all need the message of God, but we've got to receive it. Why? When you receive it, it changes you, and you become more like Christ. And when you become more like Christ, and I become more like Christ, oh, how we will have a common bond like no other. And God works in his church again. But number one, we've got to receive his word. First Thessalonians chapter number one, verse 13. I'll read it for you. You can jot it down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 13, the Bible says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but at, as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You receive it, and it works in you. The problem tonight is we're asking God to clean up our mess, and yet we refuse to receive the message. Habakkuk says, I've got my ducks in a row. I have heard thy speech. I'm acknowledging what you said. You know, I think tonight for a lot of us, it's time to check our mail. It's time to check our mail. I think God has delivered message after message after message after message, and we're not checking our mail. Why? Because we know who sent it. And we want to open it up. I got the letter in the mail uh, just this week from my, uh, my tax preparer guy. And every year it goes up. Not only do I have to pay my taxes, I have to pay somebody to do my taxes. And every year it goes up. And it came in the mail. I just gave it to my wife. I didn't want to look at it. She goes, you know how much it is? I don't want to know. I don't mind her writing the check. I just don't want to know. It just aggravates the fire out of me. But folks, can I tell you, sometimes you need to open the mail. When God speaks and God puts something in your mailbox, it's kind of like Amazon. I love ordering things on Amazon. Ship it to the house. I mean, how awesome is that? Uh, we have our groceries shipped in now. Got home yesterday. There's this nice box there under our carport with all of our groceries in it. It's just, just really, really neat how they'll send food to your house. Before long, we'll never, ever have to leave. We'll just sit there, watch church on live stream, and have our, our, our groceries delivered to us. I say that tongue-in-cheek, okay? And I have something coming in from Amazon, and I'm digging through the mailbox. No, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Oh, it's not there. Close the mailbox. It's not what I'm looking for. I'm just going to leave it in the box for my wife to get. Not what I want. Hey, that's not my new toy. You know, that's not something that I ordered. But I assure you this, if God puts a message in your box, you need to open it and you need to receive it. Why? Because you'll either receive the message 
or you'll receive the mess. Now, before we ask for revival, can I ask you tonight, is there something that God has already said that we've yet to receive? Before Habakkuk prayed for revival, what did he say? I have heard thy speech. He says, I've been listening. Number one, our revival prayer should begin with, we have received his word. God, I hear you loud and clear, and I'm going to act upon that. But watch what he says next. This is interesting. Point number one gets a little bit of clarity in point number two. Oh, Lord, I have heard thy speech. But watch this. The Bible says, and was afraid. I have heard thy speech and was afraid. Notice, when he received the word of God, it had an effect on him. He didn't say, yep, I heard it. God, I was listening with the preacher preach today. No, when he received or heard his speech, acknowledged what God said, suddenly the Bible says he was afraid. Now, this is important. Why? Number two tonight, as part of our prayer, we need to be able to pray this. We have reacted to truth. Not only have we received your word, but we have reacted to truth. 1 Thessalonians, I read it a moment ago. He said, you received the word not as the words of man, but the words of truth. Now, folks, if I give you my opinion tonight about a food, by the way, thank you for all of the Oreos. Thank you so much. I told you I've got a hint about Weight Watchers now because I hinted about Oreos, all right? So if you find uh, Weight Watchers on discount, let me know, and I'll, I'll go pick some up. I, look, <laughs> I appreciate all that you've brought. Uh, it, it's been really good, Okay. But understand this. I forget where I was going with the Oreos. Gosh, you've got to help me. COVID brain is just really, really, really there. All right? Gosh, I forget where that went, Brother John. Where was I going with the Oreos? I guess I said, don't bring me any more. Please, please. I'm not hinting. I'll promise. Oh, okay. I got to know where I'm going with this now. If I give you my opinion, you don't have to react to it, okay? Amen. You don't have to react to the Oreos. You don't have to react to the ball team that I like that stinks, Okay? don't have a coach okay we should stink we don't have a coach you don't have to react to that but when it's the truth of God's word we got to react to that all right when you hear God's word you say well man I heard the message look you walk out the door man you really stepped on my toes today well look I'm not I'm not aiming at your toes as the old preacher said all right the telltale sign that we've received God's word is it has an effect on us and watch this I have heard thy speech and was afraid You see, getting the message from God is not just hearing it, it's heeding it. It means it's had an effect on you. Now, folks, for too long we have heard it, and we know it, we can quote it. We've got bracelets and T-shirts and bumper stickers that tell all about it. But the problem, the reason we need revival tonight is simply because we've not been affected by it. The truth of the matter tonight, if we really have received it, we're going to react to God's truth. Proverbs 13, 13, the Bible says, Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. Now, I love this. It didn't say he that heareth the commandment. It said he that feareth. Do you know there's a great difference in hearing the commandment and fearing the commandment? Fearing means, you know what, I've heard it, and I believe it so much, I'm going to let it change who I am, and I'm going to let it change what I do. That's how you know whether you believe it or not. I thought about it this way this afternoon. I'm not afraid of something I don't believe in. Some of you folks scared to death of the zombie apocalypse, and I sit back and laugh at you, and I see you post about how scared you are on Facebook. (laughs) I'm not afraid of aliens. I just disappointed probably half of you. I'm not afraid of aliens. I'm really not. All right? 
You know, I, I don't have tinfoil on my windows. I don't put tinfoil in my ball caps. Why? I'm not afraid of something I don't believe in. You know, I'm not afraid of leprechauns either. I know some of you are. Remember years ago, we were babysitting uh, Juju Miller. We stayed at the Millers for, this is years ago, and babysat their kids for a week while their parents were gone. And uh, Juju says one day, she goes, you know what I'm afraid of? I said, what's that? She goes, nuns. It was nuns, wasn't it? That's what she said? Yeah, nuns. I said, what? I mean, nuns are, so, I know some nuns. They're some of the nicest people in the world. You know, why would you be afraid? Of, she said, because they're creepy. Like, what kind of nuns do you know? You know, watching some kind of television show with these scary nuns on it. She goes, you know, those little guys in the flower bed with the pointy hats. You know, the Catholic Church is off base, but I didn't know that that was part of it. I said, do you mean gnomes? She said, yeah, that's it, gnomes. And so ever since then, we find little gnomes, we mail them to her, and we give them to her. I said, Juju, there's, there's no reason to be, af be afraid of the, the nuns or the gnomes. I said, gnomes aren't real, sweetheart. They're just little guys with pointy hats, and they're, plus they're only like one foot tall. I mean, you just kick them out of the way. Why would you be afraid of somebody? I said, it's okay. They're not out there, you know? I feel like they're watching me out there in the flower bed. They're not. They're ceramic, made in China, all right? I'm not afraid of something that I don't believe in. But wait a minute. There are some things I am afraid of. We were out west and um, saw a sign at one of the places we stopped at. You know, it says... This is the wild. You're in the wilderness. Beware of rattlesnakes. And everywhere I went, every stick, every piece of pine straw, every piece of trash on the ground, I felt like it was a rattlesnake. I mean, it just creeped me out. I'm out west, you know. Every movie you see, there's rattlesnakes everywhere on the movie. So I figured it was true because it was on TV. I believe in rattlesnakes. Man, I just kind of watched it where I was. We were in Yellowstone. They gave us this little paper. Beware of buffaloes. And had a picture of the, it really did have a picture of this guy getting picked up in the air by a buffalo's horn. Man, we're going down the road. There's hundreds of buffaloes. All of a sudden, I'm like, guys, be careful. You know, those are real. You better be afraid of something that's real. But I want you to think about that tonight. He says here, O oh Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. You see, it affected him because he believed in it. He believed it was true. I'm afraid tonight we've near about reduced the word of God to gnomes. And we've reduced the word of God to aliens and Bigfoots. They might be real. I don't know. But you say, well, how do you know that? Because we don't live fearful of it. What does fearful mean? It just means in reverence. We don't reverence the word of God. Several years ago, we were, my wife and I were coming back from Louisiana, and uh, something wrong, was wrong with our car. And uh, we borrowed my brother-in-law's truck. Remember that, last the S10? It's like a little low rider. It's the first time I've ever drawn a, driven a cool vehicle. And it had chrome rims on it, blacked-out windows. I mean, it was just a cool little truck. And I come roaring through Mendenhall, Mississippi. Saw the sign, 45 miles an hour. You know, small town. They couldn't afford a police department. <laughs> Evidently, they got a government grant. 
because sure enough, there was one. If you're ever on 13 coming into Mendenhall, be careful. That little guy has nothing else to do, to be honest with you. He's gotten me twice. <laughs> Fooled me once, right? I'm sitting here on the side of the road. You know, the time it takes them to get out of their car and get up to you, it feels like years. And you feel so stupid. And do you know why I really felt stupid? I looked dead at the sign. I looked dead at it. I saw it. I knew it said 45. But I thought, you know what? They say you get seven miles, right? You don't. At least not in Mendenhall. <laughs> and it felt horrible because I saw the sign. I just didn't believe it was going to amount to anything. And now I'm sitting on the side of the road. What was it, a 180-something dollar ticket back then? That was half my paycheck for a week. And I had to give it in a ticket. Now I'm sitting in a mess. Why? I didn't receive the message. I saw it. I knew what it said. But I didn't let the message change me. I didn't react to it. Now, folks, listen to me. There's a lot worse things in life that can happen to you and your children, to this church, to this country, if we keep getting the message but not reacting to it. Now, every time I go through Mendenhall, I'm doing about 35 I can't wait to pass that policeman one day. I'm just going to wave at him doing 35. Not this time. Not this time. You know why? Because I'm reacting to the message. He says here, O Lord, I have heard thy speech. I received thy word and was afraid. Now I'm reacting to the truth. I heard the truth and now I'm reacting to it. Now, folks, I believe honestly tonight our church is full of good people, okay? Full of good people, but good people are not necessarily godly people always. Could we agree with that? Just because we're good doesn't always mean we're godly. Now tonight, we've got to get to the place where the word of God goes from being put on the to-do list to the to-done list. Could we do that? All right? We've got to get to a place where the word of God is not just something we hear, but we receive it. And the true evidence that we've received it is we react to it. It changes who we are. Notice, O oh Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. I was afraid. If we truly believe tonight that the judgment of God was falling or about to fall on this country, if we truly believe that tonight, we'd be affected by it. We'd be living differently. We'd be receiving the word and responding to it and being affected by it. But I fear tonight that it's just about to the place to where we don't believe it enough to be changed by it. Proverbs 8, 13, what does it say? Fear, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pause right there. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now, the fear of the Lord doesn't mean we run scared of God all the time. It means we are acknowledging God's proper place, which is exalted, high, and lifted up, which makes us low down. Got it? All right? The fear of the Lord means, God, I'm acknowledging who you are and how high above me you are, and I'm down here. What did Isaiah say? Woe is me. When God is in his rightful place, you see it yourself as we're supposed to see ourselves is low down. He said, woe is me, I'm unclean. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. That means when God is in his rightful place in our life, it affects us. You hate evil. You hate evil. You're reacting to the reverence that you have for the word of God. It goes on to say pride, arrogancy, and the evil way in the froward mouth. The Bible says, do I hate? You see, when you get things where they're supposed to be, 
in that proper order. That word of God changes you and you react to it. Isn't that what happened at Nineveh? Is that what happened at Nineveh? Old Jonah, the reluctant preacher, goes over there and preaches repentance, repentance, repentance. What did they do? They received it. They reacted to it. And what happened? There was a revival amongst a heathen people. Now, I don't know about you, I kind of sort of feel like we might be living in a Nineveh. My dad said today, wickedness has come out of every closet and every corner. It's beginning to seemingly seep up from hell. We're pumping it into our nation by the barrel load, it seems like. We're in a Nineveh. But can I tell you something tonight? If God's people would receive his word again... And then react to truth. Say, you know what? I'm not just going to say, you know what? I'm going to chew on that and study that out. If it's the word of God, it's truth. You don't have to study it out. Receive it as God's word, not man's word, and then react to it. Let it change you. Why? Because that's the only way we're going to have revival. Number one, oh, Lord, I have heard thy speech. What is he doing? Receiving it. Number two, he was afraid. He's reacting to the truth. And then watch what he prays. Oh, Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Look at the second part. In the midst of the years make known. Now, I love that part of the verse because it gives me a little hope for our country. So what is the hope? Habakkuk is asking for God to send revival. Now, here's what's amazing. God's judgment has been already and really is about to fall in full effect. Now, God has already told us there's going to be 70 years of captivity Habakkuk knows that. He knows God's not going to stand the disobedience that is here. But here's what I love. Even though he knows God's judgment is coming, he doesn't become a cynical preacher. He doesn't become a spiritual pessimist. He asks God for revival where? O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of, of the years. He knew judgment was coming. And yet he still was asking God to work in the midst. God, I know we're we're going to go through trouble, but would you work in the midst of of the years? Can I tell you, when I read that, I thought to myself, what faith, what faith to believe that God could work in the midst of all that was going on and all that was going to go on. So here's the final point tonight. I believe we need to pray. We need to pray, Lord, we've received your word. We need to be able to pray, Lord, we've reacted to truth. And finally, the third part is simply this. We need to be able to pray. We are relying on his power. We are relying on his power. You know, if you'll read your Bible, even read history books that are true, you'll find that some of the greatest works of God and the greatest victories were wrought in the midst of of great struggle and turmoil. That God is a God that can work in the midst of the years. I think Brother Michael posted there on Facebook, I'm not sure, I think it was you, uh, it's talking about how the, uh, the time we've been living in has gone on a little longer. What does it say, Brother Michael? I can't remember. You don't know? Somebody posted it on your account, I think it was. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe Ms. Evelyn did it. It was talking about how, you know, the next few days, the next few days, Back in March of 2020, you know, two weeks, two weeks, the next thing you know, now we're over the three years. It's been a while. It's been a long struggle. But notice, he said, God, I believe you're God enough to work in the midst of the years. Now, folks, 
I want you to think about a few people real quickly before we close. When David went to face Goliath, probably, probably one of my favorite biblical accounts ever. Let me tell you why. I see a young man standing there, and he's in the midst of a whole lot of trouble, a big trouble. And you know, if God doesn't work on David's behalf, David is hopeless. He's hopeless. David is standing there, and he's looking at this great, big, tall, mass of trouble. And he says, the Lord, the Lord, in the midst of his trouble, he says, I still believe God can work. And I'm relying on God's power to work. And then God worked in the midst. Now, there's a key component we've got to see. It was complete reliance on God. What was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Complete reliance on God. Here they are getting ready to be thrown into a fiery furnace. There is no plan B. There is no plan B. I don't think they had those asbestos suits back then that they could put on. Guys, maybe this will work. No, they are literally toast if God doesn't step in. And oh, did God work. Why? Complete reliance on God. I love when Elijah went up against the 450 prophets of Baal because it was one man virtually against the world with full reliance on God. But notice Elijah rebuilt the altar. He got things back in order. And then he steps back and he says, okay, God, I've done what only I could do. But now you've got to do what only you can do. And he prayed and the fire of God fell. Complete reliance on God. Now folks, if Habakkuk Oh, and if you knew what he was going through and how wicked things were there, you could relate to him tonight. He was to the place where he says, God, I, I'm going to rely on your power. And God, I believe even though we are in and going to be in the midst of great judgment in the coming years, I'm going to rely on your power that I believe you can work in the midst. Now, folks, let me tell you something. This is not a time for spiritual pessimists. This is not a time for us tonight to become cynical about, well, it's all over. Let's just sit back and be grumpy until God comes back. No, no. God can work in the midst. Don't forget that. I don't know what you might be going through tonight. I don't know what burdens you may be carrying tonight. I don't know what you're worried about for the future tonight. But understand that Habakkuk had enough faith to believe that his God had the power to work in the midst of it. And say, you know what, God, I can't do anything else. I can't change their heart. But God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to receive your word. I'm going to react to your truth. And then I'm going to rely upon your power. And then sit back and let's see what God's going to do. God can work in the midst of this stuff. This is not a time for us to get grumpy and cynical and sarcastic. No, this is a time to rely on the full power of God. And what a fearfully wonderful place that is. When you come to the place where only God will do. I don't know how many times I have sat in hospitals with families who've received dire diagnosis. I don't know how many times I have been with families when it seemed that hope had been lost as they prayed for a young person, prayed for their spouse, or maybe prayed for an unspoken need in their home. And I've said everything I can say. I've done everything I can do. I've told them everything they can do, and they've done everything they can do. You've got to a place where only God will do. 
only God will do. And on one hand, it's scary because it is completely out of our hands. Where it should have been all along, it's completely out of our hands. And yet how encouraging to realize the God that we serve is a God that can work in the midst, no matter how bad it is. God can work in the midst. I'll close with one of my favorite verses, Isaiah 43, 19. The middle of the verse, the Bible says, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I won't give you all the context of that tonight, but basically there's some attributes of our God. Our God can make a way in the desert. He can make rivers in the wilderness. Why? Because he's a God that can work in the midst. But here's what I wonder tonight. Before Habakkuk prayed for revival, he said, God, I've received your word. I'm acknowledging your speech. I hear you. I hear you. And God, I'm showing you how much that I hear you by the fact that it's it scared me. I'm afraid. I'm going to react to your truth. I'm not just going to hear it. I'm going to react to that truth. And then, God, I'm going to ask you for revival, and I'm going to trust you alone because only you alone have the power to work in the midst of the world that we're living in. Now, tonight, can you pray that prayer? Can you pray tonight, Lord, I've received your word? Honestly, can you pray tonight, I've reacted to your truth? And can you pray tonight that as we pray for revival, God, I'm going to rely on your power. Or we know the pastor can't do it. We know the music's not going to do it. We know the crowds are not going to do it. Father, we're relying on you for revival. And when we trust God to do what only God can do, can I tell you, God never fails. We may not see revival in America. I don't know. That may be the will of God. But you can have revival in your heart. Revival is very personal. Now, is it contagious? Absolutely. It's like the flu. Once somebody gets it, it'll go. It'll spread. But somebody's got to get it first. Somebody's got to be honest enough to say, I'm going to receive your word, react to your truth, and I'm going to rely on your power. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. It's time to pray.